everybody. Welcome to the Base Camp Podcast, New England Ski Journal's own podcast, your central information for New England skiing and riding. Get ready to winter like you mean it. Ski and ride season is right around the corner. Tune those boards, mark your calendars for mountain time, and book that escape to Vermont, where Stratton means snow so great it's guaranteed. Scores of options and lodging at the heart of the resort, fun activities for the whole family in a lively village. Visit stratton.com for lift and lodging deals, snow reports, and events. Can't wait to get there. I am Eric Wilbur, host of the New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast and New England Ski Journal Editor. I am joined by Mike Specian. Mike, hello. Hey, Eric. How are you today? I am great. You know, it's cold. Mountains are making snow. Ski season is here. I haven't gotten out yet, but it's here, finally. This is the first time you and I have been together this year that people are skiing. That's right. I mean, we have all been talking about it. We've all been waiting for it. Snow guns are blowing everywhere, even at Wachusett. We're ready to go. We it's are. on. Game yep. on. I mean, I mean, the, the in pure New England fashion, the weather went from up here to whoop, all the way down that it got cold enough to, to make snow. Some of the places that, that were open the first weekend included Stowe, Killington, Sunday River. Sunday River, which actually beat Killington to become the first open in the east by, what, three hours. Oh, Killington come on, come on. You can't say that. <laughs> Somebody Sugar Mountain opened first. I know, in New England, okay? Let's, okay, let's we got to come New back England. to New England. That's really what we care about the most. And there's skiing to be had. I mean, obviously, it's not midwinter skiing, but it is skiing. It's an event. Plenty of chairlifts went up the other day with the, the big banners, first chair up, and it was just a, a party everywhere you looked. So really itching to get out now and, and get the skis up and, and ready and tuned and, and get out there. Hold on. Haven't you told me that this isn't the time to ski? It is That you don't like the white ribbon of death? It's a little jabbing here. Listen, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I did an interview with, this is going to be Prelude, in the December issue of the New England Ski Journal. Talked with parents of a four-year-old snowboarder in Killington, and it was opening day, and he was all excited to go. And at the last minute, they finally told him, you know what, we, we can't in good faith bring you up there because it's too crazy. There's too many people. There's one trail open. It's going to be dangerous for you. And I applauded them. I was like, good job, people, because you're right. It is too dangerous. It is an event. But at the same time, I don't want to drive three hours, two hours, one hour to go on one trail or to just, it, it's too much. It's all too much. Give me a little snow, real snow. Give me a little man-made stuff to, to offshoot it. But I need a little bit more than just being there because it's opening day. And I think that, that Killington does it right, right? They don't care about being the first open. They want to be the last open. I, I love it. Well, we, we are officially in ski season. The Country Ski and Sport Expo mm -hmm. is behind us. Snowbound is behind us. Boston is on fire with energy right now about skiing. And we're ready to go. But today we're going to be talking about out in the Berkshires. We're going to talk a little Massachusetts now instead of up north. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Even as two years ago, even, the only ski areas I had ever skied in Massachusetts were Wachusett, obviously, Neshoba Valley, and what used to be Mount Tom out in Holyoke, or where was Mount Tom? Holyoke, you it got it. It was in Holyoke. Yep. And that's it. I never skied the Berkshires. I never skied Berkshire East, Bosque, Jiminy Peak, any of that. Two years ago, we finally made it out to Berkshire East for the first time. I was with my three kids. It was freezing cold. Did not really get to experience the mountain as I would like to. Went for a second time last year, and that mountain kicked my butt. Absolutely kicked my butt. And I, I wasn't exactly shocked by that because I've heard the stories about how this, the place skis bigger than it looks. But boy, when I got home, my back was aching. I was just, I was a complete wreck, and I loved it. it there's, there's some steep skiing out there. When, when we look up north, most lifts give you... 1,000, 1,200 vertical feet worth mm -hmm. of skiing. Very few give us that magic 2,000 plus. Berkshire East, at over 1,000 feet on one lift, and then the steeps that they have are unbelievable. When they get snow, it is a powder hound's dream, without a doubt. But the other spot is Catamount, down sitting one of the few areas sitting in two states. I mean, the parking lot is in Massachusetts. Most of the ski area is in New York. It skis steep, and it skis fast. Have you ever been out there, Eric? I have not been there, no. Could you tell me a little bit about that? 
So Catamount, out in Egremont, Massachusetts, out in the Berkshires, it is an area that when you drive up, you come out of Egremont, and all of a sudden you see the ridges, and then all of a sudden you drop down a hill, and there's Catamount sitting to your left. And it's an area that was hurting a little bit. Tom Gilbert used to own it. I knew Tom well. Did wonderful things out there for an awful long time, but it needed a refresh. The family at Berkshire East, the Schaefer family, took that opportunity and came in. And it has been revitalized. Even though it was great before, they've added a bunch of stuff to it, new trails through the years. And Catamount is really that Gold Coast. We say down in Norwalk to New Haven, that whole crowd actually goes up there and skis it religiously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, It's about the same size as Berkshire East overall, is it? Yeah. We're going to talk to John Schaefer in just a few minutes, but I think that the Schaefer family has been one of the more under-heralded ski owners in New England, if you would agree. Yes, they definitely are. It's, as we watched the families that came up in the ski business and made huge changes in skiing, I think of the Mueller's with Okemo when they took that over and then took over Sunapee. They really revitalized everything up in there and did a wonderful job. Well, the Schaefer's were doing the same thing down in Massachusetts in the Berkshires and they created what I would say is a truly four season setup there that the Albany crowd knows about it but the Boston crowd doesn't know about it at all and I should say the Connecticut crowd knows about it because right up 91 it's an easy drive for them. So our first visit to Berkshire East was during COVID which was an interesting development but I think probably the biggest thing that has happened to Cat to Berkshire East and Catamount for that matter is the Indy Pass. And I'm sure we'll talk to them about this. I'm not sure if I would have taken my whole family out to Berkshire East for that day if it weren't for the Indy Pass because I'm usually gravitated somewhere else. And I think even John Schaefer would agree that these are hidden gems if there were hidden gems in New England, right? I mean, these are places that are in the state that we're recording from and they don't often get much of the mention that every place else in the new england area does they they don't get the mention of a north conway they don't get a mention of the warren vermonts but the skiing is equally as good it is incredible in fact i i agree with you i've been on an indie pass since day one along with my icon And I had never been out to Berkshire East, I have to say. I had skied Catamount because I was doing business down there, so I had skied that a few times. But when I got out there, it blew me away. I knew people talked about it, but going out Route 2 was like, oh my goodness, there's two lanes out there. Mm -hmm. But to get to Stratton, I've got to go two lanes. To get to Okemo, I have to go two lanes. To get to Killington, when you get off the highway, you have to go to two lanes. So... It, it has become one of my favorites. And then you get into the Berkshires with just the history, the beauty, the restaurants are to die for. And I'm like, now I make an overnight out there and ski both off an Indy Pass, spend one day at Catamount and stay overnight, have a great dinner, and then go up to Berkshire the nest next. Incredible. Yeah, and you're right about that, that two-lane. I'm, I'm dating myself here, but back in college, I went to school up in... Uh, Burlington and my friends would visit me at home from home and they would always just say there's nothing in between exits it's exit and then 25 miles to the next exit and then right after college I moved out to Western Mass for a year to work for a local newspaper and again the same thing miles exit miles exit and so I think that there's kind of like this I don't know stigma right that it's all the way out there. Even though it's just as far a drive as, say, North Conway from the Boston area, I think that putting it in the Berkshires makes it seem like it's so far away when it's really just the same drive. It is exactly the same drive in reality. And when you get out there, I mean, people, Bostonians go out there in the summer all the time. Right. I mean, for Tanglewood. Yep. They go out to Mass Mocha to, to Adams, North Adams, Mass. 
so people go out there, but they forget about it in the winter and what's out there to play. Mm-hmm. So when you get out there, the inns are incredible. Great Barrington is unbelievable. Egremont, down in that neck of the woods. Charlemont are, is a mecca of outdoor activities with zip lines, with whitewater in the summer, and one of the top three mountain bike parks in New England out there, and people are driving to it, but they're not thinking about it all the time for winter. Right, and that I think that's changing a little bit as we go here year by year, with especially with the Indy Pass. I mean, I don't know if I would have been there if it weren't for Indy Pass, but I do know that after my first visit, I will be a repeat visitor because of... Again, just the, the terrain there is like you're going to get up north, but it's here in your state of Massachusetts. And I think that it, it's, it's worth a visit for, and, and look, the, the Schaefer family, which owns both resorts, have been pouring money into them, improving them year by year. It, it, it's amazing that what they've done out there with these two mountains. Coming up, we are going to speak with Dave Kulis, the assistant general manager at Catamount Mountain. And John Schaefer, whose family owns both Catamount and Berkshire East. That's coming up next on the Basecamp Podcast. Joining us now on the Basecamp Podcast is Dave Coolis, Assistant General Manager at Catamount Mountain, and John Schaefer, whose family has owned Berkshire East for uh, nearly 45 years. Is that correct, John? Yeah, just about, but I'm only 42, so I can't fact check the first three. (laughs) <laughs> That's quite all right. Welcome to the show, guys. Great to be here. Dave, can you tell us a little bit about you and your position? What do you do at Catamount? Sure. I'm the assistant general manager here. I've been at Catamount now for a little over a year, going on to my second winter season. We measure everything in winter seasons in the ski business. So but in terms of kind of my time within the industry, been around for nearly 30 years, working both in the East and the West, primarily in, in sales and marketing over the course of my career. And uh, this has been a great opportunity for me to branch out a little bit further into general management and assisting the team here to, to kind of work with the Schaefer's to, to, to get Catamat up to the next level. And that's what we've been working on. So it's, it's, it's fun. There's been a huge out there in traffic because I travel out there. John, you have a huge history. Your family has a huge history out the Berkshires. Pretty, pretty renowned. Give us a little history of the family, what, what Berkshire, when it started and where you've gone. So my dad came from Michigan in the mid seventies, bought Berkshire East for a dollar. So it's the worst dollar he ever spent. He grew up in a fall, a small family farm in Northern Michigan pretty much a subsistence farming family and background and a little rope toe opened up near him. And he got into skiing in the fifties and sixties and became a ski racer and one of the better local skiers in his area and ended up working at Boyne Mountain as a ski instructor. And at a really interesting time when guys like Stein Erickson and Otmar Schneider were coming from Europe to teach in Northern Michigan. And my dad became really good friends with him. And that really kick-started him into his 60-plus years of being in the ski business. And he worked with Everett Kircher and the Greater Boyne family for a long time. He started a private resort in Lansing, Michigan, and then moved the family east in the mid-'70s and bought Berkshire East. My mom was a school teacher. My dad ran the ski area and he brought on business partners that owned ferry boats in the Mackinac Island area of Northern Michigan. So we would follow essentially the tourism season every year. So summers in Northern Michigan working in the greater ferry boat and sort of hotel industry there. And then winters in Charlemont and my dad would run Berkshire East. And I grew up, was born in 1980 and I, I, I've grown up spending nights in pump rooms and watching snowmaking happen and fixing lifts and being part of it my entire life. And my brothers and I grew up ski racing at Berkshire East. Berkshire East is pretty well known for a good ski racing background. And we got to travel internationally to pursue that sport. So, so sometimes when you have the opportunity to leave, you understand how special, you know, your home is. And that's definitely true of our relationship with the Berkshires and how it's grown for me. And now I'm raising my family 
essentially on the slopes of Berkshire East and running these mountains in the area and doing our best to kind of like Shawshank Redemption, bring a pile of dirt into the parking lot every day and dig a hole out of the messes we've created the business and then also work to build great things at these businesses. So that's, that's the abridged version. Now, Berkshire East and Catamount are both run by you guys. You represent right. both of them. How did this marriage come together a few years ago? Well, we were opportunistic at a time when, when Catamount needed to go in a new direction. And we really liked the, the mountain, the resort, the people. I'd grown up racing there a bit. and We'd all, all skied there, and it's, it's a great mountain. It's, got a, it's essentially the inverse of Berkshire East, where Berkshire East wraps around, and there's, there's trails that come around the sides. Catamount sort of curls in on itself great steeps in the middle and can see side to side and it's a pretty special spot and so when the opportunity came up we jumped and it's, it was kind of like the kool-aid man bursting through a wall down there with multiple years of work but you start to see the finished product here and it, it's it's looking pretty awesome yeah when they came together you helped you helped save Catamount because they needed that direction at that point, even though I know the old management very well. There's another ski area that you've been involved with out there, really with tremendous heritage called Bosquet. What is your relationship? We, I would call it sort of a First Nation consulting backslash management arrangement, as well as close friends and coworkers with a lot of the staff. At Bosque, there's a lot of familiar faces and people I've known my entire life. So we call it First Nation Status. The primary ownership group there bought it in June of 2020, sort of the height of the pandemic. And that was another mountain that really needed a shock and awe based lift to be functional within six months. And I wish we kept a time lapse image of the entire six months because a ton of work got done removing and replacing old infrastructure when the world was shut down. So, you know, they've, they've come a long way and they've got a great snowmaking system and they've got a great new lodge. And so they're kind of off on the races, uh, off on their own. So they're not, they're not on their own in terms of they're untethered from us. Our passes cross and we work together closely, but it, in terms of being a functional organization, they're, they're doing great and they're, They've come a long way in two years. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast will return after this. Great Glen Trails Outdoor Center is your one-stop adventure destination this winter. No lift lines, just great grooming and magical vistas. Classic snow tubing hill with hot cocoa and s'mores on the weekends. Try a guided snow coach tour. Grab your reservation to Treeline on Mount Washington. Private and group lessons for skiers of all ages and all abilities. Evening snowshoe tours and so much more. Check the website for booking options and details as well. GreatGlenTrails.com Did you know knee injuries are the most frequent serious injuries in skiing? But an independent, multi-year controlled study with thousands of participants at 13 different ski resorts proved that knee bindings reduce the risk of ACL injuries by 82%. To put it another way, knee bindings effectively eliminate four out of five of the knee injuries that happen on all other bindings. This extraordinary result is due to knee bindings patented lateral heel release that only opens in one direction. This unique feature allows the perfect balance between retention and release. If the heel opened in both directions, the estimated injury reduction would be limited to 20% instead of knee bindings proven 82%. Get all the details and your new bindings at kneebinding.com. That's kneebinding.com. If you want to be inspired and informed on everything about the New England ski and outdoor scene, then you need to check out skijournal.com. SkiJournal.com delivers daily content on breaking industry news, tips, gear, dining, travel, entertainment, as well as all archived episodes of the Emmy-nominated New England Ski Journal TV show and the Basecamp podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to New England Ski Journal. 
the longest-running regional ski magazine in the country. New England Ski Journal's award-winning writers and photographers bring all four seasons to your door with best-in-class coverage on skiing and the outdoors. Log on to SkiJournal.com and click on the subscribe button to get New England Ski Journal mailed to you today. New England Ski Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. And now, back to the Base Camp Podcast. Dave, what makes these areas unique to the rest of New England? Well, they're, I mean, they're, they ski big. Both Berkshire East and Catamount are, are areas that you can have a great day of skiing. I mean, they, they fully take advantage of the thousand plus or minus vertical that they each of them a great mix of terrain the kind of terrain that you would expect to see at some of those more northern areas we've got we've got double diamond steeps at both that are that are legit so and that coupled with the fact that it's a good mix of terrain for all abilities and it's really close to the population centers it's it's easy to get to catamount to come right up 87 from the tri-state metro area or shoot across from Boston via 90. And the same thing goes with Berkshire East coming right up 91 from, from Connecticut up into, into Western Massachusetts and across on Route 2. Easy to get to. So great mountains, ease of access and, and major population nearby. It's, it's been a winning combination. Hey, John, as an owner, there's a lot of mega passes out there, as we all know. How are you dealing with that? Because your, your resorts are still growing. Well, our, our customer base is our most important asset, right? And we care deeply about providing a great product to our customers. Self-improvement along the way. We all have things we can work on. I could lose a couple pounds and our mountains could get a little bit better all the time. You can always groom better. You can always make better snow. You can always do things better. And I think we've committed to that as a as an ownership group and the reason is is because we're skiers first we really understand at least what we like and that's good conditions good snow and long seasons so if we can provide that to our customers then ideally they're going to be happy as well and if not they tell us and if you know to the best we can we listen and we make improvements and so it's it's having connectivity to our customer base and working with them that i, I think has given us a leg up on maybe some of the others that are a little less connected than they were when they were individual mountains run by individual families or operators with a career and a lifeline lifetime of of knowledge behind them has the indie pass uh, uh, helped you introduce the areas to a whole new audience of people yeah i can yeah. take i can take yeah. that and absolutely, the answer is yes on that. I mean, it's we've seen many people who experience Catamount and Bertrice for the first time coming across on that Indy Pass. So it's it's been a it's been a really good fit for us. It's it's a different product than some of the other big pass products out there. We've just two visits at each of the Indy Pass areas, so not an overwhelming number. And in our concern, of course, is is balancing all of that with the capacity of our mountains to create a great experience for everyone. We want to make sure that we don't lose sight of, of what makes these places great. And it is, it is finding that balance between capacity on the hill and all of the programs that we offer. Can I, can I jump in there a sec? Absolutely. Pre-Indie, pre-Indie pass, I had a conversation with a, with a friend who ran a company, we'll leave his company off, but they, they bulk sold a lot of tickets for skiers and he obviously was pushing ticket sales ahead of the past sales to optimize sort of performance and revenues. And we were debating the merit at the time of you had, you had Epic, you had Icon, but there wasn't anything else, or there was a couple of strap hangers and whether or not you could put a collection in the way he called it, we're C-type resorts. Berkshire's can't compare to Vail on paper, for example. The brilliant thing about the Indy Pass, it's not that they're C-level re level resorts, they're independent mountains. And that has introduced that term into the vernacular of skiers. And it has 
done a great job highlighting the benefits of smaller mountains, not always smaller vertically, but not part of conglomerate passes and what they bring to the table and what that means to the customer base. So not only is it have people quote unquote bought the passes, but they're also buying into the concept and traveling to those resorts because of the alternative that they provide. From talking to Doug Fish, Boston is his number one marketplace, New England is, as a whole, which shows that we are totally embracing the Indies to a major degree, which I think is outstanding from that perspective. John, since you grew up in the Berkshires, uh, we all know what it's like to be in North Conway. We all know what it's like to be in Stowe or Ludlow. What's it? What's it like to be in the Berkshires in the winter? Well, you just said it right there, right? So we all know. So the let me answer the opposite of the question. The Berkshires are not doing a great job, and I'm, I'll take ownership of this because we have a huge tourism stake in the Berkshires, of telling you what life is like in the Berkshires. And the answer is, is the Berkshires are awesome. And I'll use, I, I met with the governor one time in North Adams, and I used the, the waterfall example. When you drive from Charlemont to North Adams, there's a there's a hundred foot waterfall just off the road. It's one of the nicest hikes in New England. There's not a sign. There's no directions. There's not a website it's on state land, and, and nobody knows about it. And Southern Berkshire County does a much better job. There's great art, arts and culture. It's very much in your face. But the Northern Berkshires are a little bit of a black hole, and it's it's a little slice across the board of of old rural New England farming, apple orchards, just the the greatest aspects of what sort of idyllic life can be in Four Seasons New England, except a lot of people go plowing past us on 90 or 91. And we need to work to reverse that. So I'm, I'm, I'm raising hopefully some pretty fun and outgoing and athletic little girls and they have every tool at their disposal to, to be outdoorsmen. There's, we can hike, trail run, mountain bike. We have current Olympian and World Cup skier Paula Moulton. And a lot of the reasons are is because of the four-season lifestyle that's provided her in that location. It's class four whitewater, great fitness activities. And then on top of it, you've got these amazing arts towns like Shelburne Falls, any number, throw a dart at Southern Berkshire County, and, and you can have a really diverse set of vacation options or lifestyle options when you either choose to, to visit here or move here. It's, it's one of the best places that I could ever imagine living, and I'm very thankful to be here. Yeah, John, I agree with you that I think from a tourism standpoint, when you get out there and you ski a place like Berkshire East, I've never, I've never skied Catamount, but I've skied Berkshire East a few times. When you get there and you ski it, you're just kind of like, why don't, why didn't I ski this before? Or why haven't I been here multiple times a year? What's the, what's the solution to that? I know you said, you know, more, more tourism or whatever, but how does that begin? How do you start that? I mean, especially from a private, private standpoint, how do you push the state to say, Hey, push us more? Well, I don't know if I'm breaking news and if I am. My apologies, but I do know that there's been a lot of work, and I'll, I'll just leave it at this, to create an office of outdoor tourism for the state of Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And stay tuned on that front, but it's, it's taken public-private partnerships to get there that have gone back years. And like I said earlier, all, all these little projects, building a lift in a pandemic, rebuilding a snowmaking system that's 50 years old, Working with your community and your local residents, as well as the state, to increase tourism to, to small rural communities that are really bedroom communities or, or old farming and logging communities, and, and convincing people that we can do, we can grow responsibly is part of the you're digging yourself out of Shawshank. One pocket full of dirt a day and dumping it in the parking lot and going back in at night and digging the hole again. It's a never ending process of infrastructure, community relations, working for any 
any crack in the wall to be able to improve yourself and the people around you. And that's, we've helped the town of Charlemont get grants for bridges that are falling in. We try to like to think that we're good partners with people, but it's, it's a constant evolution that, that happens over years, not, not months or weeks or days. Dave, I just want to ask you, Catamount is expanding night skiing terrain this year, has erected a new base area courtyard and is reconfiguring its learning area this season. A new snow tubing park is going to debut. Can you tell us about some of the additions and changes that are coming this year? Well, for those who haven't seen Catamount since 2018, you will be amazed at the amount of work that is, that has been done. I mean, it's, it, what you just talked about is just this year, but in terms of all of the work that's been done since 2018, we've installed three new lifts, new trails, um, major, major overhaul on the snowmaking. I mean, rebuilding vast pieces of the snowmaking system from the ground up. A lot of, I, I think the Schaefer found that the Catamount to have aging infrastructure, like many areas that had a lot of snowmaking work done in the 80s and 90s. These things do wear out and, and technology improves. So we've spent a lot of effort on that brand new base lodge in the last couple of years as well. And the tubing park is going to be a great addition too. So it's, it's really the, the sum total of all of the improvements have really transformed this resort and, and we have more good things to come. We're, we're finishing up a number of projects in time for this winter and, and looking forward to, to other things down the road. Awesome. And John, I think what, something that's not really no, known about Berkshire East, that's the first resort to produce 100% of its electricity from on-site renewable energy, which sometimes feels like it's just a little push-in thing there, like you know, at the bottom of a press release. But that's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, it's awesome. And when there's market instability, I can tell you what, it feels, feels good to have that wind turbine running in the solar field cranking. We'll look to add some at Catamount in the coming years, probably some solar. And we're looking hard at offsetting demand charges through storage, whether it's a, a micro pump storage facility that will build with series of ponds on mountain or batteries themselves. It's probably the next logical step for us. And it's not just greenwashing, right? It is a throw in at the, the bottom of the press release, but it's, it's a real meaningful impact. And my kids will grow up looking at the wind turbine at Berkshire East and they'll only have known that landscape with that renewable energy. And one of the coolest things that I'll ever remember is building it and then climbing up and getting out on the top of it for the first time. And you just have this, you feel the wind coming by you, right? It's just, you're exposed, you're up there a couple hundred feet, be essentially on the hood of a Volkswagen looking at the valley. And it's like, wow. The movement of the air is powering the resort that creates the jobs, that brings the people. And you, you feel the whole thing come over you, and it's awesome. So to the extent that we're able, we'll keep expanding and pushing on it. And it's, it's not just greenwashing. It, is, it makes dollars and cents for the business. Well, we applaud you for that. By all means, we all have to do our part here. A hundred and something thousand people a year look at it from the slopes or from the bike park. And they think about it and they may not think about it, think about it, but it's there and it's part of the landscape now. And it's, we can do more and we will, and others will follow along and do it as they can. So it's good. What is there new and improved to look forward to at Berkshire East this year? Bunch of new snow guns, expanded snowmaking, uh, a lot of, I would say just process improvements, the addition of, and the integration of really great staff planning there's it's all below the waterline of the hull but the the net result is just a continued improved improved experience for the resort particularly in the snowmaking front we're we're headed into sort of some new zip codes for speed of opening we we, we essentially took the ship out and did a shakedown cruise the last couple of days and everything worked everybody's happy we have I ordered, nothing's easy, right? So we ordered guns and pumps in December last year. They all showed up a week ago, Saturday. Wow. And we had a cold front Friday night. Yeah. So it was like superhuman feats of strength by about 50 people 
to get most of it online so we could operate at near, near, not total peak efficiency for our first run of snowmaking. We saw it. It was good. It worked, but we still have to bring a couple of pumps online and even kind of with that, with half an arm time behind our back, we moved more water than we did at any point last year. We used probably 40% electricity while doing it and we're happy. Well, that's moving in the right direction by all means. Real quick question. You guys not only are a winter resort, but you have done some incredible things. You are probably the most diverse four-season resort in New England with what you offer. Do you just want to give a really quick overview of what's out there? Yeah, so go ahead. Well, Dave, you want to do it or you want me to do it? Well, I can I can mention Catamount. Here at Catamount, we have the longest zip line in the country, which is really exciting, top to bottom, at over a mile in length. We have our aerial adventure park, two treetop courses. And we do weddings and events, uh, more music events and things like that are in the works. So things are really becoming more year-round for us, and, and we're, we have no plans to, to slow down anytime soon. And then, yeah, John can talk about Berkshire East. And so Berkshire East, we've got Thunder Mountain Bike Park, which is, uh, we just went through our seventh or eighth year of operations. So we're, we're hitting our plane and we have a pretty diverse set of whitewater businesses. So on the Deerfield river, which runs through town, we, we basically get daily tides because there's several dams on the upper section that release water on a scheduled basis. And depending on the section of whitewater, you can have family trips or up to class four whitewater, which is not seen until you hit Maine, Pennsylvania, or the West. Beyond that, though, there, there's, there's springtime creeks everywhere. So we have 110 days of guaranteed whitewater. We have four zip line tours in the town of Charlemont, a, a modest adventure park, which is great for families, birthday parties, events, and groups. As Dave said, at both resorts, pushing hard into music right now. And it adds a really fun element on summer weekends for locals and for newcomers alike. And it's been fun connecting with various artists. And Berkshire East is, is home to one of the longest mountain coasters in the world. So you don't have to just be a downhill mountain biker. You can come up and ride and be a three-year-old. You can be a, a 92-year-old or anywhere in between. And still get that sense of of arcing and downhill acceleration that we all love and enjoy as years. All right. I want to get some inside information from you guys. So Dave, I'm going to ask you about Catamount and John, you can answer about Berkshire East. Dave, what is the must not miss trail at Catamount? Wow. That's it obviously depends on your ability level, but yeah, as an advanced skier, I would say catapult and ripper are two double black diamonds are really not to miss if you're looking for those steep runs, but intermediates, they're going to be, they're going to be well off hitting runs like upper and lower sidewinder, which is a really long, great cruising run on the New York side of the mountain. And then the, the lower, lower level skiers, we have a, a perfect trail from the top called Ridge run down to upper prom and lower promenade though that run is nearly two miles long. It's it has lights for night skiing all the way top to bottom for the first time this year. And uh, that's a, that's an awesome option for those that are just learning, uh, learning the sports as well. John, how about at Berkshire East? So I'm going to give you my first answer and then I'll, I'll follow up with what you wanted. And the first answer in my mind was the next one. So yes, doesn't matter. Very Tom Brady of you. Arcade is arcing, whether it's steep or flat, it's the feeling of turning, you know, that the loss of any sound when you jump, everything goes quiet. So whatever is coming up at you next is the next best turn or trail. But the answer, I, I am a particular fan of Mohawk into Bolt into Thunder right now. Berkshire East has a right to left fall line from the way it was original, originally cut, but that is pretty much true to fall line. And then it goes a little left to right with a couple of beautiful turns and a nice view. And then to, to, to follow more in Dave's 
UMass Grizzly on the Black Diamonds, Outback Roundabout on the Greens, and then War Dance is just a great end of the day arc to come down to the lodge. So that's that's my hit list. I really like your first answer. That's the first time I've heard it. But okay, be in the moment. Take yeah, exactly. I the best answer I've heard yet. Real quickly, what what would be your favorite opera ski slash restaurant that people shouldn't miss out there in each area? Well, here at Catamount, certainly a campfire it comes to mind. That is a new venue that we opened last year. It's a it's a barbecue kind of focused restaurant and bar. It's open seven days a week as of this year, and it's just got an amazing view of the mountain. Really nice ambiance, and it's it's a place to grab a grab a beverage whether you're taking a break or at the end of the day. So uh, that would be my choice. Fat Cat in our Berkshire Lodge is also a great option as well. Anything up in Charlemagne, John? Well, if you come through, you obviously have to exit your day through the mountain. So the crazy horse, and we do one case of Dollar Schaefer beers every day. So you got to get there early and make certain you get the one beer if you're having more than one. But then... After you've left the crazy horse, and if you want to go out in the community, Shelburne Falls is one of the, the coolest, most overlooked small towns in southern New England. It has a great glass bowling reputation. There's one of the oldest existing bowling alleys in the country. I think it's the third or fourth oldest. It's a uh, candle putting place with a bar attached. And then you have Blue Rock is, is kind of my go-to dinner location there. And it's, it's beautiful. It's up over the river. Sits underneath a, a very famous glass blowers art gallery, Josh Simpson and his wife, Katie Coleman, who are, who's a, an, an astronaut. So really interesting people, really great. The up overlooking the river in downtown Shelburne Falls. That's awesome. I love Shelburne Falls. I love that Mohawk trail driving out to it. Yeah. Last question. Dave, we'll start with you in one to three words. How would you describe the Berkshire East and Catamount experience? And more importantly, the vibe. Wow. Putting it into two or three words is tricky, but I would say. Or you could use 10 or 12, whichever. Catamount is, is, is fresh, fun, positive, and growing. Those, all of those words come to mind. We've got a great culture here. And I think people pick up on that when they get here and they experience it for the first time. It's just, it's a fun place to be. and We, we try not to take ourselves too seriously, but spread, the, spread the, the, the joy of skiing and snowboarding around as much as we can. And John, what about one to three words for Berkshire East? Outer words count of, just joking, breath of fresh air for, uh, it's, I think a lot of people are, these mountains aren't for everybody, right? And and nothing is. Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. People people like what they like. But for a lot of our customers, they get here and they go and take a deep breath. And you feel like you've stepped back into a skiing experience that I think a lot of people feel disconnected from, right? So if you grew up in the 80s or 90s and you're going to your grandparents or a family place and the mountains are unique. They have unique cultures. They're run by unique people. Well, a lot of that disappeared over time. And when you step back into that feeling, it, it, it's meaningful to a lot of people. Not everybody. or not for everybody. But for the people that get here and get it, it's, it's, it's like a relief. And both mountains have it. They're both unique. And they're both special for their own reasons. That is a great way to say it. I'm an Indy Pass skier. I'm going to see both of you this year. I'm going to pull Eric along with me. We're going to come out and make some turns. But we want to thank you both for coming on today. It was a pleasure by all means. Yes, thank you guys. It was great. I can't, the last two years, I've gotten myself out to Berkshire East and I've fallen in love with it. I'm hoping you do the same for Catamount this year. It really is a pleasure to, to be out there. And you're right. It is, it may not be for everyone. If you're looking for Killington Road, you're not going to get it there. But are you going to get an authentic skiing experience? Absolutely. Well worth the trip. So, gentlemen, thank you very much. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for having thank us. Thank you.
I want to go back to an email I received over the summer from an angry reader who said he was canceling his subscription and giving me reasons. I'm sorry to say I'm canceling my subscription to New England Ski Journal. I received a copy of the summer edition last week and was pretty disappointed for a few reasons. Your magazine completely ignored outdoor activities in three quarters of Massachusetts outside of Boston and the Berkshires. Those that your magazine did feature were classic New England summer activities recycled for decades. The fact that you completely overlooked the burgeoning outdoor recreation scene in western Massachusetts is both a relief and a wicked pissa. Even though I will continue biking, skiing, running, fishing, kayaking, canoeing, swimming, hiking, and rock climbing in relative solitude, I know that our region could also use the economic boost from visibility delivered by your journal. I emailed this man back, and I told him he was absolutely right. I think that, look, I'm, I'm in eastern Massachusetts, born and bred, and there is this sense of western Mass as being the 51st state in the union because we just don't get out there. We don't pay attention to it. And when we do pay attention to it, we realize and our eyes are open and we wake up to the fact that the terrain out here is great. There's plenty of outdoor activities to do here. And why am I not spending more time here rather than driving up to North Conway with everybody else in creation? And I took, I took this criticism very, very seriously that I think we do need to pay more attention out there in coverage it isn't just, as John said, about the Tourism Bureau pushing it more. It's, it lays on us a lot as content creators and journalists to really let people know what the landscape is out there, what is available out there, and how much fun it is to actually go there and to do it in your own state. Eric, you are 100% correct. The Berkshires, because I've spent an awful lot of time driving out there, an awful lot of time doing business out there, you, you forget how what we have in this state as the New England Ski Journal, as, you, as we've had discussions about what we're going to do on this podcast, mm-hmm. I have made statements that we've got to represent Connecticut. We've yep. got to represent Massachusetts. We've got to represent Yahoo down in Rhode Island because it's all New England skiing. Talking about the Berkshires is something that should be done daily. I mean, we there's another big one out there called Jiminy Peak. Yep. And I remember when I was working at 860 Commonwealth Ave, red, white, and blue across from BU, I made a point to hop in and drive out there, and I was blown away at what they have for a hill. But as for Berkshire East and Catamount, those two areas are, I'll put them up against anyone. No, they don't get the snow of Stowe. No, they don't get the snow of Sugarbush. But they have the terrain to actually turn on and rip it up. They are that good. Yep. And, they're, and they're, look, they, they're community hills, too. I mean, the, the people that live there love those places for a reason. And there is, uh, the, we were talking off air about uphill policies. Can you discuss those a little bit? Yeah, uphill. There's a, there's a big movement to uphill, of course. And each resort has had to dictate who, who can and who can't, and there's dedicated routes. Well, both Catamount and Berkshire embrace it. So when I'm out there, look, they're 1,000-foot they're type hills. So I make a policy with myself. I ski for as long as I want, whatever. I come down. My skins are already on my climbing skis. My last run of the day, every day when I'm skiing, is a climbing run. I want a different perspective. I want the energy. I don't always worn out skiing downhill, especially on smaller hills or when it's just groomers. So I make a policy to actually climb. So these areas actually embrace that. And you can climb right to the top of the hill, throwing the skins on, and then make turns down. What a great way to end the day with a beer afterwards. And obviously, over the past couple of years, Berkshire East and Catamount, both major infrastructure infrastructure improvements there that, that have made them just, just beacons of skiing on the Massachusetts. I mean, I think part of the problem is, is that Eastern Massachusetts people, we see Wachusett there and we don't go past it and not recognizing what's left past that, that point. As great as Wachusett is... I think for people that are looking for a little bit more of a, a, a more challenge are more apt to go out to Berkshire East and, and Catamount. But it's 
example, when, when Wachusett's right there on the way, it's kind of tough. It's, it's almost like the opposite of Mount Abram, right? Mount Abram is the left turn that nobody takes on the way to Sunday River, whereas Wachusett is the right turn that people take on the way to Berkshire East. And I think that if you get out there and you ski it and you experience these mountains, that you will recognize the, the, the bliss of skiing at an independent resort like this. And tr- these are real, true independents. Like there's no any kind of sugarcoating that. These are family-run mountains. And they ski it. They ski like a more dynamic mountain in the north, but they're run like you'd want this mom-and-pop indie place to be. Well, it is run as an indie resort, which is my kind of resort. There's no lodging on the hill. This is about the skiing. That's what it's about. And the skiers, because of that, the caliber of skiers is very high. Authenticity. Yep. Very high. What you would normally find is a sugar bush, a mad river, or a snow, mm-hmm. or a sugar loaf. But these skiers can rip. They can ski. They know how to carve a turn. They know how to ski the trees. I guess my challenge to all the view or listeners today is give it a try. These resorts are good. You'll become a believer like I have and like Eric has. Get out there. Give it a try. Take the path least traveled. And guess what? I have been there. I was there two years ago on vacation week for, to help out there. And I will tell you, I didn't have to wait in a line to ski on vacation week. At all. Tell, yeah. me, tell me where you can find that in any of the mega resorts. Pretty tough to find. You can't. I mean, so if you are listening to this podcast, and if, if you have the Indy Pass, make sure you use one of the days or two of the days at both those mountains. You will not regret it. If you don't have the Indy Pass, make sure you can get out there and enjoy Berkshire East and Catamount and Busquette. Yep. What you do, here's the deal. You go to Catamount in the morning, ski it, plan on staying overnight in Pittsfield, ski Bosquet at night, and then go up to Berkshire East and finish it up. Perfect. I'm ready now. Mike, thank you very much. Thank you, Eric. That That was was really happy. John Schaefer and Dave came on. Yes. Thanks to John and Dave for their uh, great discussion on all things... Berkshire East and Catamount Skiing. My name is Eric Wilbur, and I will see you next time on the New England Ski Journal's Base Camp Podcast. New England Ski Journal's Base Camp is a Siemens Media Podcast. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful.